Welcome to Impact Church's podcast with Pastor Travis Hearn. Pastor Travis also serves as the team pastor for the NBA's Phoenix Suns and has served Major League Baseball as the team chaplain for over a decade. Today, he leads us with a powerful and hope-filled message. We're so glad you're tuning in, and we believe that wherever you're listening from, that God will impact your life through today's message. Thank you for joining us today. If you said that prayer and accepted Jesus into your heart, it's the best decision you could ever make. We want to connect and celebrate with you. Visit impactchurch.com for more information about our church and how you can get plugged in here with us. Be sure to subscribe and share today's message with your friends. Thanks for tuning in, and we can't wait to hear how God has made an impact in your life. We're continuing in a series that I started six weeks ago. How many of you have listened to all six messages? Come on, raise your hand. Look at you guys. Let's go. All six messages in a series that I have titled Weapons, because every day of your life is a spiritual battle, and spiritual battles require what? Spiritual weapons. And so we've been looking at the weapons that God has given us. We've been looking at how to use the weapons that God has given us. Let let me say it like this. Most of the stress and anxiety and complications and relationship drama most of the situations in your life that you deal with on a day-to-day basis are actually because of a spiritual battle they're actually because of a spiritual battle that is going on in the spirit realm and this is what the bible says we've read this every week all six weeks i want to start with it again today second corinthians chapter 10 verse 4 let's read this out loud ready here we go the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world on the contrary, they have the divine power to demolish strongholds. That's the weapons that God gives us. We need weapons. We need spiritual weapons because the enemy of God is also the enemy of our soul. We have an enemy, the devil. He is against God, so he is against us. I read this last week, but First Peter 5, 8. It says this, be alert and of sober mind, the enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking for someone to devour. So make no mistake about it, Impact Church family, that the devil is trying everything to take you down. He is trying every different weapon he can try to destroy you. He is forming and shaping every weapon he can form and shape to try to take you down. But let me remind you as we start today that you are a child of God Almighty. And when you're a child of God Almighty, you're under the protecting hand of God Almighty. How many of your parents today, let me see your hands, if your parents, would you ever let anything happen to your child? Nothing. I would die for my child. Like I would beat up a kid for my child. That's how crazy we are. And God is the same way. He is not going to allow the enemy to touch you. God is our protector. We are his children. I also want to remind you that the Bible says in Isaiah 52 verse 17, it says, 
No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Read it out loud with me. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Read it again a little louder. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. That means that the depression that the devil's trying to lay on you shall not prosper. The sickness and stress and disease, it shall not prosper. The fear and worry and anxiety, it shall not prosper. That addiction, it shall not prosper. There is no weapon that could ever be formed against you that shall not prosper. So we're continuing in this message series today. And today is part six of my series. And we're going to look at the weapon of our words. A few weeks ago, we looked at the weapon of God's word. But today we're going to look at the weapon of our words. And before we do, I want to pray. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the power, the power that lies within your holy written word of God. Speak to us today. Change us. Challenge us. God, that we leave this place greater than we walked in. More encouraged than when we walked in. God, more full of your your presence and your power than we walked in. We pray this in Jesus' name. We all say Amen. amen. One more round of applause for our worship team. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. Thank you guys. Appreciate you guys. So part six, the message is the weapon of our words. I want to start with this verse in Proverbs 18.21. Proverbs 18.21. Maybe you've heard this verse before. It says the tongue can bring death or life. And then it says those who love to talk, which is a lot of you, will reap the consequences. Let's read this out loud together. Ready? Here we go. The tongue can bring death or life. And those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Now, your words, your words are the single most powerful tool or weapon that God has given you. Your words. In fact, words are the most powerful weapon in the whole world. Your words can kill. Your words can hurt people. Your words can shatter someone's confidence. Your words can ruin someone's reputation your words can ruin your own reputation your words can tear down somebody's self-worth somebody's self-esteem and their value your words can destroy your marriage your words can destroy your children or your family or your relationships on the other hand your words can also speak life Your words can bring somebody hope. Your words can bring somebody healing. Your words can bring somebody comfort. Your words can encourage and edify and uplift and build up. Your words can speak life. Your words can also pray down the power of heaven. Your words can glorify and praise our creator, God Almighty. Words are powerful. Now, the good thing about our mouths, have you ever purchased something and you needed a manual to figure out how to use it? I don't know if you guys know this, but your car actually comes with a manual. I don't know if you've ever looked at it. I don't know if you know, but it's usually in the glove compartment and it tells you everything about your car. It tells you when you need maintenance. It tells you what certain things do and what they're for. See, the Bible is our manual for life. And God gave us a mouth 
But the great news is that he gave us a manual on how to use it and also how not to use it. And he teaches us extensively from the beginning of the Bible in the book of Genesis all the way to the end in Revelation on how to use this great tool, our mouth, that he's given us. Now, in the book of James, chapter 3, there is one chapter that speaks about our mouth more than any other chapter in the whole Bible. The entire chapter of James chapter 3 is all about your mouth. In fact, in the book of James, he talks at least once in every chapter about our mouths and how to use them and how to uh, tame, he says, tame our tongues. And so in the book of James, it says stuff like this. It says your mouth is a it's full of, of poison. It says if you're able to control your mouth, if you're perfect in everything you say, then you'd be perfect in every way. He says your tongue, it's like a small spark. It sets on an entire forest and it puts it on fire. He says the tongue is a restless evil. It's just like sitting there waiting to strike and to inject poison into somebody. In James, he says you can tame animals. Think about that. You can tame animals, wild animals, but you cannot tame the human tongue. You can put a bit inside of a horse's mouth and you can take that horse wherever you want to take that horse. But he says, but you cannot tame, you cannot teach even the human tongue. And, and this is what I want to read as we begin today is James chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Look at this with me. He says... With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. He says, my brothers and my sisters, this should not be. This should not be. We've got these mouths and we're like, oh, praise you, Jesus. And then we leave and the parking is such a disaster. We're in a rush to get out of here. We can't get out of here. People are in our way. You got an impact sticker on your window and then you lose it and you flip somebody off. You curse them out. Don't act like it's not happened because it has happened. My own daughter got honked at, cursed at, and flipped off when she was 16 by somebody in our church trying to leave the church. She walked in literally physically trembling because it scared her so bad. So don't act like it doesn't happen here. I have personally been cut off on the 101 by somebody that had an Impact Church sticker on their window. So don't act like we're the righteous service. That's probably the next service. But this service, we've got some work to do. So I want to establish... Two things as we start today, A and B. I want to establish these right out of the beginning. Two important things that we establish before we drive into the left, dive into the rest of the outline. Okay, letter A. Our words, my words, your words, they reveal what's in your heart. They reveal. Your words sell you out in every way. They expose what's really going on inside here. Jesus said it like this in Luke 6, 45. He said, a good man brings out good things out of the good stored up in his heart, but an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. And then he says, for the mouth speaks what the heart is 
full of. For some of you old school King Jamers, he says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Or another translation, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth. What he's saying is, what goes in eventually comes out. He's saying that your heart is going to dictate what comes out of your mouth. Whatever is in the well comes out in the water. Whatever's in the tree comes out in the fruit. So whatever's in your heart is eventually going to come out of your mouth. Words are like seeds. These seeds might be buried away for now. But eventually, they're going to take root, and they're going to germinate, and they are going to grow, and they are going to come out. And so the truth is, if I have a problem, if you have a problem with your mouth, you actually have a much bigger problem. You have a heart problem. You have a heart problem. So my mouth that eventually sell, sells me out, it reveals what's inside. Let, let me give you some examples. For example, a mean or a rude mouth or tongue, it reveals an angry heart. A negative tongue reveals a, before I say it, have you ever been around negative people? Like they're negative all the time. They have nothing positive to say ever. They're so negative, they're negative, negative. A negative tongue reveals a critical heart. A worried tongue, I'm worried about everything, reveals a fearful heart. A boasting tongue reveals an insecure heart. A filthy tongue reveals an impure heart. A critical tongue reveals a bitter heart. A complaining tongue reveals an ungrateful heart. Your tongue, it sells you out. It reveals what's really going on. But on the other hand, an encouraging tongue reveals a happy heart. A kind tongue reveals a peaceful heart, a heart at peace. A gentle tongue, it reveals a loving heart. A person with a grateful tongue, it has, they have a thankful heart. So my words reveal what's in my heart. Okay, letter B, write this down, is that my words also reveal my intake. Okay, so, so this is important because your output is the evidence of your input. Your intake, whatever you're taking in, it influences your life, right? This isn't rocket science. We know this. I'm just laying out what we already know, what Jesus is trying to tell us. He said your intake, that's what you consume, what you take in. It shapes your heart which eventually shapes your words. What I consume, consumes me. What you consume, consumes you. So our intake, the things we listen to, the people we listen to, it could be family, it could be friends, it could be the news, it could be social media, any of the social media, platforms. the things that we consume end up consuming us. If you're around negative people, you will become negative people. If you're around positive people, you will become positive 
people. See, King Solomon, he understand this. He understood this, and this is what he said in Proverbs 4.23. He said, be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Let's read it out loud. Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. So what's in my mind? It comes out of my mouth. Solomon's saying, be careful, be intentional, be protective of your mind because your mind is the motor of your life. The way you think ends up becoming the way you live. Our hearts and our mouths are linked together. That's why David said in Psalm 19, 14, he said, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. So I want to just go through this outline today, five ways to use this weapon of our words, five ways to use this weapon of our words. Number one, if you're taking notes, you can write this down, is that I need to use words that are thoughtful, thoughtful. Look at somebody and tell them you need to think before you speak. Come on, let somebody know. This will feel like therapy for some of you. You need to think before you speak. Some of y'all don't even know how to think before you speak. You need to think before you speak. Slow, slow, slow down. Slow down. Pray before you say. Slow down. Think before you speak. Pray before you say. Okay, I, I want us to read James 1.19 because this is so convicting. It's good for all of us. James 1.19. He says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Okay, let, let's read it out loud together. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. We get all those backwards, don't we? We think it says everyone should be quick to be angry, quick to speak, and slow, slow to listen. But it's the opposite. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. So number one is to use words that are thoughtful. Be thoughtful when you speak. Use words that are thoughtful, not thoughtless. Look at what Proverbs 12, 18 says. Again, King Solomon, he says, thoughtless words can wound as deeply as any sword, but wisely spoken words can heal. Now, the truth is we know this, that we talk a lot. Even people that don't talk a lot, talk a lot. In fact, we have read studies that show that the average American has uh, a, 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 a lot of words. Men speak 20,000 20, words a day on average. Men who don't speak, speak 20,000 words a day on average. Now, some of you men, it's more than that, and some of you, it's far less. We average to 20,000. Women. <laughs> Studies show that women speak on average 30 thousand words a day and I know some of you I just saw some of mouth go oh, that's not bad like no that's that's bad that's that's a lot of words to say so 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 here's what God's sense of humor is is he puts us together and, and, and then what happens is like for me by about 5 p.m. I've used all 20,000 words 
and my, my, my woman, the lover of my soul, my, my, my everything, she has another 10,000. And I'm tapped out. And, and, and so this is the, the, the power of communication and the power of speaking is that we use a lot of words. But I was thinking about this just yesterday is how many of my 20,000 words on average are actually thoughtful? How many of your 30,000, look at the ladies in the front row, are actually thoughtful? And that's the goal, right, is that we become thoughtful in our words, that we think before we speak, that we filter, that we filter just because we think it doesn't mean we need to say it. Uh, he says this, Proverbs 16, same thing, Solomon, he says, intelligent people, look what it says, intelligent people finish college with a master's degree. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say, it says intelligent people Think before they speak. Now, I don't know about you, but this pretty much means I'm dumb a lot of the time. Can anybody else admit that? You're stupid a lot of the time. That, that should be every hand literally in this room. That, 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 that I need some intelligent people think before they speak. Now, I know this goes completely against the grain of society because society especially today in the day and age that we live in thinks that you can just say whatever you think that's the society that we live in that we live in a day and age where people speak their minds they say whatever they want to say however they want to say it Whoever they want to say it to, whatever the cost, whatever it hurts, whoever it destroys, that's the culture that we have developed as humans in the world we live in today. We speak our minds. We tweet our minds. We Facebook our minds. We Instagram our minds. We text message our minds. Like immediately. Like without thinking, without praying, without being thought, boom, there goes the message. And in our country, in the United States of America, we even hide behind the First Amendment and we say things like, well, I have freedom of speech, which is not even what freedom of speech is even about. Freedom of speech isn't about saying whatever you want to say, whenever you want to say it, however you want to say it, whoever you want to say it to. That's not freedom of speech. That's stupidity. Freedom of speech and the point of freedom of speech is so that the government of the United States cannot restrict or constrain your speech. You have a right but just because you have a right doesn't make everything you say or want to say right. The freedom of speech is not, it is not. Freedom of speech is not about how we speak to each other. It's not about how I speak to my wife. It's not about how you speak to your husband. It's not about how you talk to your kids or your employees or your coworkers. 
or even your haters. See, even when it comes to the freedom of speech, just because you have a right doesn't make it right. Okay, listen, if you're a Christian, if you're a man, if you're a woman of God, and you're trying to live your life for Jesus Christ, you don't actually have a right to anything anyway. You have a responsibility to manage this gift of your mouth that God has given you. So we need to think before we walk out of church when the preacher's preaching. That's fine. Go for it. Psalm 141, verse 3, he says, Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Then again in Proverbs 21, 23, he says, If you want to stay out of trouble, be careful what you say. Okay, let's move on to number two. The second way you need to use your words is to use, speak words that are truthful. Be honest. Be truthful. Build your heart on integrity, and your words will follow. Build your heart on integrity, and your words will follow. See, this is what Proverbs 12, 9, we're looking at a lot of Proverbs, words of, words of wisdom from Solomon. He says in Proverbs 12, 9, he says, truthful words stand the test of time, but lies are soon exposed. Okay, truthful words stand the test of time, but lies are soon exposed exposed. I would say this, maybe more than ever in the history of humanity, we need truth tellers. We need people to tell the truth. I don't know if you're into politics, but I'm pretty sure that everyone on every side of the political line, they're lying. At least some of that is lies, if not all of it is lies. Now, now, now listen, it, it has gotten to where I believe that we could name this day and age. We are in the day and age of misinformation and disinformation. We don't know who to listen to. We don't know what to believe. We don't know. Listen, it is a very dishonest world and it is dishonest and it's built on corruption because of people's personal agendas okay listen this is why jesus talks so much about the heart this is why he ties the heart to the mouth because ultimately it boils down to the condition of our hearts god wants us to be truthful how many have ever lied before raise your hand your hands not up you just lied right here in church okay God wants us to be truthful about our own lives listen stay with me and about everyone else's lives okay I'm honest and truthful about my own life and about your life if I'm not honest about your life, that's called gossip and slander, okay? There is a cesspool in our world of gossip and slander. Gossip and slander. 
Both are of the devil. God wants nothing to do with either one. Our world is a cesspool of gossip and slander. Now, gossip, listen, Impact Church, I know this is going to be crazy for some of you. Gossip is sin. It's no more of a sin or no less of a sin than physical murder. It's the same. In the U.S., we will prosecute for murder radically different than we would prosecute for gossip or slander. But if we treated them the same, because realistically, gossip kills. Gossip kills. Gossip kills people. It destroys lives. It destroys reputations. Okay, what, what is gossip? I've, to, I've told you this many times. Gossip is talking about a situation with somebody who's neither a part of the problem or part of the solution. That's gossip. It doesn't even mean it's lie. Gossip is I'm talking to you about you and you're not a part of the problem or the solution. That's gossip. Slander is I'm talking to you about her, but I'm lying. I'm lying about it. I'm telling lies. And so this is a very big problem in the world we live in today. Why? Why do people gossip? You have to get to the heart of the matter. There's a variety of reasons, but it, for one, makes people feel better about themselves at the expense of somebody else, right? I feel better about me when I gossip about you. I talk about your flaws, your problems, your failures, your imperfections, because I think it makes me feel a little bit more superior about myself and so many times people gossip because they're jealous of somebody else they're jealous and so they gossip about them they want what they have and since they can't have it or they don't have it they badmouth them and they try to destroy the other person gossip and slander always 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 has repercussions gossip kills it destroys listen what proverbs 19 18 says he says telling lies this is crazy telling lies about others is as harmful as hitting them with an axe that's a visual <laughs> wounding them with the sword or shooting them with a sharp arrow as opposed to a dull one <laughs> right I mean, gossip is like taking an axe, it's, 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 it's like taking, it's as harmful as taking an axe and swinging it at somebody. It is damaging. There's a cool story, crazy cool, weird, not so cool story in the Old Testament about two siblings. It was Moses and his sister Miriam. And, and one day Miriam got caught up gossiping about her own brother. This never happens in our own families. She's gossiping about Moses, her own brother, and God intervenes, and he has a come-to-Jesus moment with Miriam, and he says, Miriam, what you're doing is wrong, and then right there on the spot, he gave her leprosy. Now, can, can you imagine, can you imagine? Can you imagine 
gossiping about somebody and all of a sudden, bam, your skin starts being eaten alive, right? And, and, and it sounds terrible, but I got to be honest, I'd love for this to happen for people who gossip about me. I, I would love for it. Like all of a sudden I would be like, I know what you've been up to, homie. You've been gossiping about me, right? Wouldn't that be great? And here's where the story actually gets even crazier. Because what God does next is he goes to Moses and he goes, Moses, I know Miriam was gossiping about you. I gave her leprosy. Now I want you to pray for her healing. It's one woman excited about that. Thank you. Thank you. Because this is what God demands, not requests, but requires of us is that the very person who hurts you the most is the very person you need to pray for the most. The very person that hurts you is the very person that God says, love them and pray for their healing. That's why Jesus was asked about the greatest commandment in the Bible. And he said the greatest commandment in all of the commandments is to love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he said, and the second one's like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So I need to love God with all my heart, soul, mind. And I need to love my neighbor as myself. See, I think this Moses Miriam story is a great illustration for us to our response when somebody hurts us. If you've been hurt by somebody, if you've been wounded by somebody, God wants you as hard as it is to forgive them and to pray for their healing. You know that the Bible says even, lis even listening to gossip is a sin? Because I know somebody's like, I don't gossip. Yeah, you do, you listen to it. Even listening to gossip is a sin. There's this great proverb in 26:20. He says, without, a f without wood, a fire goes out. Without a gossip, a quarrel dies down. Don't be a part of gossip. Don't be a part of lies. Don't be a part of slander. Use words to speak the truth. Number three, the third way to use our words is to speak words that are kind. Kind. See, as the world gets meaner, God is calling us to be kinder. You know what, like, our logo is? I know, I have a question. How many of you today, right now, this is your very first time ever at Impact Church? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Look, there's a lot of you. Let's give them a round of applause. Let's give them a round of applause. So, we're glad you're here. We're glad you're here. You picked the right place. There's a lot of churches around. None of them are even close to as on fire as, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just messing. Don't, don't record that and put it on social. It's a joke. It's, just, it's a joke. Most of the pastors in this area are my friends. So it's a joke. I got to watch what I say. So anyway, we have a star. We have a star as a part of our brand. And the star comes from Philippians 2.15 that says, to shine like stars in a dark world. And sometimes people like, well, what's the star about, dude? Like, are you communist? I've had that direct message before. It's like, yeah, we're communists for Christ. Like, 
are we communists? Like what? Like there's so many conspiracy theories out there that everybody conspires about conspiracy theories even, but we're not communists. Neither is Macy's that I know of or BlackRock Coffee that I know of or Heineken. I don't think they're communists. Is that the Heineken? Is the beer the star, the red star? Okay, good. I almost thought I got my beers confused because I don't drink beer, but I've seen the red star, the red star. And, and people are like, well, why is it a red star? Because PT's favorite color is red. I mean, there's nothing really all that spirit. I could make it. It's a blood of Jesus Christ covering our lives, but it's really the gospel in Philippians 2.15 says that we should shine like stars. How do you shine like stars? Well, one way is the world gets meaner, you get kinder. Your light will shine. As the world gets more full of hate, we become more full of love. That's how we shine. And God wants us to shine. Listen, this is maybe the darkest days of humanity. Maybe, maybe. I mean, there's been some dark moments in the history of humanity, but we're in some dark times. That means if your light is shining, you are going to make an impact. You are going to be influential as a child of God. Speak words that are kind. Now listen, kindness is one of the nine, so let me say nine, nine fruits of the Spirit. There are nine Fruits of the Spirit. In Galatians 5, 22, 23, let me read these to you. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, or forbearance, kindness, 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 goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But the fruit of the Spirit, the fruits that God wants us to produce, to bear good fruits, there are nine of them, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. See, kindness, I have discovered in my own life, is really easy when people are kind to me. That's when it's really easy. When people aren't kind to me, and they're rude to me, or they're mean to me, or they jab at me, or they stab at me, kindness is very difficult for me and so the way we develop the fruit of kindness is in those moments of meanness and rudeness right and so it's easy to be kind to people are kind to you but what about when people are rude to you and they're jerks to you kindness that's when it's the hardest but that's also when kindness has its greatest impact it's when it shines the brightest so Proverbs again, 15.1, he says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a hard word or a harsh word stirs up anger. So ask yourself this question, Impact Church family, how do you react when someone attacks you? With kindness, that's your answer, with kindness. How do you act or react when somebody jabs you or stabs you, when somebody cuts you, when they hurt you. In those moments, kindness shines the brightest. Another Proverbs in 15.4, uh, 15, Solomon says, kind words heal and they help. Cutting words, they wound and they maim. Uh, I said this a few months ago, but if you find yourself in an argument 
your goal is not to be right, it's to be righteous. That's all of our goal. I don't need to be right. I need to be righteous. My flesh tells me the opposite. My flesh is like, you need to be right, brother. Go for it. But God's spirit is saying, you need to be righteous. I need to take the high road, even when others take the low road. When somebody does me wrong, I need to do them right. I take the high road. I never, ever lower myself to the level of the devil. I'm going to stay on the high road. And I need to use words that are kind. Okay, kind words. I, I want to give you the three S's of kindness in your outline today. Three S's, A, B, and C. And, and, and these are important. Okay, kindness means, A, to be supportive. That's an act of kindness. I show my support for you. I support you. How supportive are your words? Are you always tearing people down or building them up? Do you support their ideas, their dreams, their desires? Okay, what about your kids? Do you brag on them or do you nag on them? What about your marriage? Do you brag on them or do you nag on them? Are you the kind of person that you find a weakness in somebody and you start pouncing on it? Support means that I support you even in your flaws, in your weaknesses, in your failures. You know why? Because you have them too. I have them. You have them. Kindness shows support. Okay, letter B. Kindness also means being sensitive. Being sensitive. Now, this is one of those sermons, every time I preach it, I feel like an absolute hypocrite. I, I don't know. I do. I'm just, the, the, the one thing, if you're new to the church today, the one thing you're going to hear from me is, is just, I probably shouldn't be a preacher. I shouldn't be a pastor. I say things I shouldn't say. I say things I shouldn't say from the stage. I say things I shouldn't say all the time. I, I, I'm a daddy. And, and, and I'm passionate about literally everything. I, I wish you guys could have been, I've been thrown out of basketball gyms. I have been, four years ago, I was escorted out of a playoff game for my daughter's playoff game by a police officer. I didn't swear, I didn't curse, I just challenged the call, which apparently referees are super defensive and sensitive. So every time I preach this, I feel convicted right there. You know, I know some people are like, well, I'm not going to church because they're a bunch of hypocrites. And the thing about it is, what's one more? I mean, you know, join us. We're all just trying. We're all just trying. I mean, none of us are perfect. We're all just trying. Like, what's one more? Welcome to the family of hypocrites. We're trying. I mean, we're trying. And, and so the reason is because this one hits me hard because I am the least sensitive person probably in the room right now. And I'm telling you guys to be sensitive. So be sensitive, not because I'm sensitive, but because God's word tells us all that we need to be sensitive. 
So, so, so listen, I, I've learned this, is that being sensitive means that I am aware of other people's needs. Being sensitive, not in a bad way, oh, you're so sensitive. Being sensitive means that I'm aware of the needs around me. I'm tuned in, right? Kindness always starts with sensitivity. Kindness always begins with the eyes. See, the way you use your eyes. I'm looking around, the way I see things, the way I see people, the way I observe situations. Kindness is sensitive to the needs of other people. Of other people. Okay, so, so kindness begins with the eyes. If you care, you'll be aware. If you care, you'll be aware. Now, let me give you a secret. Everybody you meet this week, everybody needs kindness. Everybody sitting next to you that you're in a row of people with, they need kindness. You know why? Because every single person is hurting in some area. We are all broken and we are all hurting. Everybody is going through hard times. Everybody is dealing with some drama. Every person sitting around you, beside you, in front of you, behind you, right now, right now, they're going through stuff. And they need kindness. I remember, it's probably five or six or seven years ago, but I used to go into this store and there was this guy that was just so rude. I, 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 would, I would dread going to this one man because he was so mean. He was so rude. And, and I was just like, man, this guy has serious issues. He is mean, right? Fast forward a few months later, I saw this guy. He was in one of those leg scooters. And I asked him about it. I said, hey, what's going on with your leg? And he had, then he said he had diabetes. Then he said he had been battling diabetes for about three years. Then he said he was about to have his leg amputated. Here I am interpreting this man as a complete jerk. But this man was going through his own hell. He's just surviving. He's just trying to get through the day. He's dealing with health issues. That's what sensitivity does for us, being sensitive, that I'm paying attention and being mindful. Let, let her see, write this down. Let her see, kindness, it means being sympathetic, full of sympathy. You feel, listen, sympathy is you feel what they feel. You see things from their point of view. How many of you are married today? Raise your hand, raise your hand, you're married. Okay, great. So you're married, and this is what God, because God, God is a God of humor and he does have a sense of humor. And what God does with marriages is he puts opposites together. He does, he puts opposites and, and they're like opposite in like 90 out of 100 ways. And the 10 that you're the same in have nothing to do with life, you know? <laughs> it's like, they, they, they're not doing anything for you. And so what God does is he puts opposites together. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to grow you and mature you and develop you into becoming more Christ-like and less like yourself. And it's interesting because I would tell you that Natalie and I are the same exact way. 
we are completely opposite, absolutely opposite. She is sympathetic. She is sensitive to the needs of others. I am not. Put those two together and try to get them to have a conversation. It is very, very difficult at times because you get caught up in your own world. And so sympathy is seeing the situation from their point of view. Sympathy, empathy is that I feel or at least try to feel what they are feeling and they are trying to feel what I am feeling. Kindness means that I'm sympathetic. It means that I love anyway. Kindness means that I build bridges and not walls. Kindness means that I care for people even that don't care about me. One day, a man asked Jesus about this greatest command in the Bible, and he says, love your neighbor as yourself. He didn't say, love them as yourself if they love you. He said, love your neighbor like you love yourself. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. In other words, what is God saying? He's saying the most important things in your life are your relationships. Your relationship with God and your relationship with people. Okay, let's move on. Number four. The fourth way we need to use our words is to speak words that are encouraging. Encourage. Encourage. Look at somebody that you love today and tell them, encourage me, please. Encourage me. Encourage me. Somebody's phone is going off right now. Notification. You have a new direct message on Instagram. You know what encourage means? It means to instill courage. That's it. That I instill courage. And so, so here, here's, your goal. here's your homework today. You have, you have, you have, you have ten, ten, ten different words of encouragement to somebody today. See, you, you become what you practice, right? So we're going to practice this. We're going to put it into practice that if I practice encouragement, then I will eventually grow this gift of encouragement. So your homework today and then tomorrow and then the next day is to develop the skill, the habit of encouraging, okay? Do you use words for the most part that encourage or discourage? Now, encourage, it builds up. To discourage, it tears down. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1 he says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. Encourage. Uh, there, there was a study done on children and the effects that encouragement, discouragement has on them. And they, these psychologists, they hooked them up to all these wires and sensors and stuff like this on these kids. And then they would use encouraging words and they would use discouraging words and gestures as well. And what the study showed was this is that when the children were encouraged, when they were encouraged, their physical energy would increase. But when they were discouraged, their physical energy decreased. I want to share you guys a cool story. So I started preaching this sermon a few days ago at the Phoenix Suns Chapel with the guys that go to chapel and 
Coach Monty goes to chapel and our general manager, James Jones, goes to chapel. You guys ever wonder why the Suns were able to just absolutely flip from being a losing, toxic organization to a winning, healthy organization? It's because the general manager of the Phoenix Suns and the head coach of the Phoenix Suns are absolutely on fire for Jesus Christ. They're men of God. They're men of character. Health starts at the top. So does sickness. If the head's sick, the body's sick. If the head's healthy, the body's healthy. Right? And so I was talking about the power of our tongue and, and I know these guys wouldn't mind me mentioning their names, but I was using this illustration about encourage and discourage. And I said, like, for example, I said, you know, when we're like coaching athletes, I didn't mean Monty. I meant like me when I coach young athletes. And you're like, what are you doing? Like, Jeremy, what are you doing? You freaking idiot. Hey, I've heard it all. In club basketball, I have heard it all. Right? You're a freaking idiot, you moron. Like, let me, let me just say this. If you're an athlete and you make a mistake, you know you made a mistake. I don't need you to tell me that I made a mistake. I'm already, I'm already telling myself, dang it, I blew that. I threw the ball away. I dribbled it off my foot. Whatever the accident is, right? And so I was using this illustration and I go, like coach, I said, like, Mikhail, Mikhail, great defender. Mikhail's like the best defender in the NBA, in my opinion. He's a great player. And I said, Mikhail makes a mistake. I said, coach, he don't need you to turn around. Mikhail, what are you doing? And then coach turned around and looked at Mikhail and he got this big smile, right? And I didn't know what was going on. And then, and then, and then fast forward, we had two back-to-back games. So the next day, I'm, I parked my car. I happened to pull in at the exact same time as, as DeAndre, and DA gets out and he's like, yo, PT, what's up? I said, what's up, man? He had this, you know, $5 million chain dangling from his, I said, what? Man, he's got his son in it, and I'm like, that's cool, man. He's like, thanks, man. He's like, man, I heard you brought it last night. This is DeAndre. I heard you brought it last night. And I, and I start racing, like, what did I bring? And what? I, and he said, he said, you you talked about the power of life and death in the tongue last night at chapel. And he said, and Coach Monty came and told the rest of the team, the entire chapel, and talked about the power of life and death. And Coach said, I'm not going to yell tonight. I'm not going to get after you guys tonight. I'm just going to encourage you guys tonight and just let you guys be the pros that you are. And he goes and he delivers the same, the same message to the rest of the team. What I'm trying to say is this, is that, Man, our words have power. They have power. And in my case, my words didn't end with the people in my chapel. They kept going and going and going. And the same is true with the words that we use. They keep living and living and living. There are full-grown people. At least I think they look full-grown. 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years old that are still broken because of something somebody said to them when they were five. Words have the power to kill, but words also have the power to give life. Okay, let's look at number five. Speak words that are positive. See, positive. There's an old saying. You know this old saying. If you don't have anything good to say, don't say it. Can we change that statement? 
Let's change it. Let's raise up a new generation of the, a version of that. And let's, let's say it like this. If you don't have anything good to say, think of something good and say it anyway. Right? Be positive. Be positive. Emotions follow actions just as strong as actions follow emotions. See, you can act your way into a feeling just like you can feel your way into an action. So positivity is powerful. I want to read this verse, and this is the final verse I'm going to share with you today in Colossians 3, chapter 8. It says this, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, dirty language. That's for a bunch of you today, dirty language. <laughs> Don't lie to each other. And then he says, for you've stripped off your old sinful nature and all of its wicked deeds put on your new nature. You put on your new nature. You're a child of God now. And be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. So he says, get rid of. You ever got rid of something? Get rid of. Now is the time to get rid of anger. Rage, malicious behavior, slander, dirty language. Don't lie to each other. And he says that your old nature, you stripped it off. Put on your new nature. Get rid of your old nature and put on your new nature. And don't take off your new nature. In other words, stop acting like you used to be and start acting like you're supposed to be. This one verse, it really sums up this entire message. Put on your new nature and walk in the things of God. Thank you for joining us today. If you said that prayer and accepted Jesus into your heart, it's the best decision you could ever make. We want to connect and celebrate with you. Visit impactchurch.com for more information about our church and how you can get plugged in here with us. Be sure to subscribe and share today's message with your friends. Thanks for tuning in and we can't wait to hear how God has made an impact in your life.